Hello, and welcome to another episode of AdventuresIn.net. I'm Sean Claybo, your host, and with me today, Wei Lu. Hey, Wei. Hey, Sean. How's it going? We got you on the show to work with me, so yeah. yeah it's been a while, isn't it? You've just been having too much fun, yes. you know? Yeah, things are happening. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> What have I missed? Good episodes. Good episodes. We talked about cross-platform development, and that was a good episode. Talked about Mac and pros and cons of that. So people are interested in that. Check back. Mm. Uh, I think it was the last episode that got published. So that's out there. Glad to be back. So So let's bring on our guest today. It's Jacob Chodunsky. Is that right? Close? That's the the English pronunciation. (laughs) Let's, Let's go with that. Let's go with that. All right. All right. So, Jacob, what we brought you on the show today is to talk a little bit about an article we read that you wrote on Medium. Let's talk about open source C-sharp projects. And there's there's five that you wrote about. So uh, let's start off, I guess, uh, at the top of the list. Um, but actually, before we do that, why don't you tell us a little a bit about yourself and how you got into development and what you do now and things along those lines. Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Dev. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Dev. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So, yeah, so I'm Jacob. I'm working as as a CTO of Hedge, a finance company based in New Zealand. And I'm also editor in chief for Bonobo Press that publishes programming newsletters. One of them is C Sharp Digest, one of the biggest newsletters for .NET developers. So that's what I do. I got into computers quite early on. You know, I love them since I was a small kid. I kind of remember going to to the office with my dad on Saturdays and sort of playing games on 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 his computer, like back in the day, building cities and you know, SimCity type of stuff. And yeah, at some stage, I kind of learned how to build websites, and I got kind of lucky because my neighbor ran a software company and he was building desktop apps in Delphi. I'm not sure if that's still around, but that's what he was doing. And at the time, his clients needed needed websites too. They were asking him to build a website. And he's like, he comes to me and he asked me if I can build websites for them. And I'm like 11 years old and kind of building this these, these things for kind of feel like a big business. So that was great. And yeah, after, the, after a few years after that, one of my schoolmates was sort of this like programming prodigies type of person and he was somehow working at Microsoft when he was you know very young kind of 13 14 and we sort of hang out with each other and he he helped me to learn C++ and at the time he also introduced me to this like shiny new language called C# and yeah we kind of jammed together built projects and things that we found interesting and it kind of it kind of went from there really cool I wish I had a, I wish I had friends like that when I was growing up <laughs> 
<laughs> really enjoyed it, Microsoft. That'd be that'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? So, what, what did the kids at school think of their classmates working for Microsoft? Yeah, you know, like when you are kind of like thirteen, fourteen, it's not the coolest thing to do to to be like working <laughs> and and be a programmer at the time. But yeah, we kind of found it cool, and we just really enjoyed the creation of things and building stuff. That's that's that was really fun. So yeah, it wasn't like your popular kind of sport sort of stuff, but. <laughs> Wait, I think yeah. this is uh, one of those rare occasions where we actually have two people from the Australia, New Zealand area on the show. It's not very common. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're outnumbered this time. So. <laughs> so, Jacob, you said you this you run the C Sharp Digest newsletter. Do you want to tell us how you got started that, or why you started doing yeah, that? Yeah, it probably ties nicely into the question that you asked me why I kind of wrote the, the article about the open source projects. I'll kind of give you a background why I started the newsletter and how it happened. Like I wasn't super intentional about it, but I always kind of like learning and sharing stuff with people. And uh, I was working for this big corporate company and I just started sharing stuff that I found interesting at the time with my team. You know, like at the time it was kind of Eric Lippert's articles like Fabulous Adventures in Coding when he was writing a bit more or the kind of MSDN magazine that's uh, probably discontinued by now. Um, and I just shared it with my team, you know, five people kind of send them interesting stuff that I stumbled upon. And I did it every week and they were really, really into it. They, they really liked it. And kind of we used some of that stuff in our work, building WPF applications and stuff like that. And suddenly it was a big company and suddenly other people from the company kind of came to me and were asking if I can, if I can share the stuff with them too. So I, I kind of like the list kind of grew. And I, I started doing that at, at, at one stage I left the company, but I kind of carried on doing it. And it was probably almost 10 years ago. And that's kind of the origins of C Sharp Digest. So the, it kind of goes back to like passion of sharing stuff with others. So is it actually a company? Is it actually like something that makes money or like? It makes money now, but it definitely wasn't built with that intention from the beginning. Yes. But how does it make so, money? Um, the model that I'm using with, so I don't run just C Sharp Digest, but I run a few other newsletters too, in a kind of like a tech leadership, React, and kind of general, general programming space. And currently what I do is it's sponsorship based. So I share cool stuff with the readers. You know, I share stuff that I find every week with, with the readers. That's free for them, for the audience. And I get approached by companies that are seeking that audience, usually with dev products like JetBrains or GitLab, things like that. And they want to get in front of that audience. So if our, our listeners want to sign up for, for the newsletter, I think I found it at, uh, what, csharpdigest.net? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the one. Yep. So sharp spelt out. So C S H A R P digest.net. So please uh, sign up if you're not already uh, a member of the of the list there. So uh, yeah. So what were some of the challenges that you had to um, in building this user base? Like, did you have to write your own articles at the start and things like that? Did you have to find other like, other .NET developers to to post their yeah, articles? So, so challenges. I think the biggest challenge in this space is to it's a weekly newsletter. And the biggest challenge is to be consistent. I think you might know it from, from publishing the podcast. It's kind of about showing mm -hmm. up every week and, and do the thing and do the thing for 10 years. I think the consistency is really important. So just do that every week after week is probably the biggest challenge and probably why most people fail if they try to do stuff like that. Uh, so if you are not passionate about kind of sharing stuff with others and you can't really do it for money, it needs to have something else because mm -hmm. you know i've been doing it for 10 years and i haven't run a business on top of it for maybe like 
seven or eight years, really. So, so that's probably the biggest challenge. With the audience building, I was kind of lucky in the sense that I wasn't seeking large audience. I started with very small people that I knew in person and it kind of grew from there and I was just happy to share it with a small group. And organically, if you do it for a long time, the group just gets bigger and bigger. So are there any articles that really kind of stick out in your mind as, you know, some of the, the best and the most popular for the, the readers of the Digest? Oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's, actually, it's actually quite cool to have insight into, into what people find interesting. And you can you can find quite a lot of quite a lot of writers that kind of go in time and they are they are very active in one year and very popular. Then they kind of stop. And you know, like I mentioned, Eric Lippert was great at the beginning, but then pro life got in the way and uh, he focused on switching jobs and doing something else. At the moment, I think well, he's kind of becoming less active. But I think his name is Michael uh, Michael Schmidt. I would say he's kind of writing this sort of low level .NET stuff kind of performance orientated. He might actually be working with, with Eric Lippert in the company. But that's that's kind of what stuck with me. I think Andrew Locke is writing some really good content quite consistently. So the most popular topics for people to uh, to read about uh, tend to be what? Yeah, so in the C-sharp space, I um, I try to like always, what, what, what's always popular, it's kind of tips to improve your productivity, you know, like the Visual Studio, kind of like how to be better using Visual Studio performance stuff is really really popular like if people dig down into you know garbage collection or or kind of like really deep deep dive into i don't know like why why list at is working like that and why the performance is like that that's very popular um yeah i wouldn't say like the the sort of hot topics of like kubernetes and blazor and that stuff is super popular it's kind of mixed because you have a you have a base that's that has a chance to work with it, and then you have a probably a larger base that's doing your classic line of business applications that need to you know do the CRUD apps and can't really use that, and they are looking more into stuff that's relevant to them that they can use in their jobs to be better. I think I totally understand the whole thing you said about you can't really do it for the money um, and just kind of the love because it does take like. I know, like, aside from doing this podcast, you know, I also do other community work as well. You know, I run a few meetups and things like that. And, you know, I've got a blog and stuff. And it it does take a little bit of time. So, yeah, and I really always appreciate um, people who, who do that as well. But, yeah, what, what do you think you personally have got out of it then? Like, do you reckon it's helped your career at all and things yeah, like that? So- like, for me, it's definitely helped me with my, firstly, with my career, I guess. It's, it's, I guess it's a good brand thing. But it's also helped me in... um building a passion for some of the technologies that I've been learning as well over the years. Yeah, like definitely it helps you to, you know, learn the technology that you want to learn. Like it keep, kind of keeps you up to date. Like I see it as a as a part of my job. So I work as a CTO. So kind of be in understanding where the trends are going, what other people are doing. It's great. It's great. Uh, so it kind of helps you t- with, with that side. I wouldn't say that it helped me in my career in sort of getting a better job or stuff like that. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think people are looking at it when they are hiring, really. But it helps you to it helps you to be more up to date, pretty much. And just like reading the newsletters helps you with that too. The other thing that's really really cool. It's not really helping your career, but like personal satisfaction for me is to. I'm not sure how to call it, but like spreading the word about cool stuff. You know, like you mentioned, it takes a lot of time to do something outside and you don't often have a time to promote it. You know, like so So the example of the open source projects, I 
might be kind of making assumptions, but those people are hackers. They kind of hack together a project, but they are not really going after and marketing the project. And you can kind of play, play the role and amplify their message and share it with wider people and give them wider reach. And it's quite a, quite a good superpower to have. And I think it really kind of helps, helps the, the original authors too. And to get in front of more people, they can actually get more out of it too. And that's, that's a very satisfying thing to do. I think it's amazing how sometimes uh, we, we think about the, the IT industry and how much a lot of stuff is free, you know, how much people contribute for free. It's really one of those industries where it is kind of like, it's, it is definitely based on, on passion and you kind of, you know, throughout your career, you, you know, it, no matter how passionate you are at the start, you're going to, you're going to need something to actually keep motivated, you know? And I feel like, yeah, like creating communities and, and kind of, meeting other people that are passionate kind of really helps you as well throughout throughout you know your own journey and so it, it can kind of because throughout your career you will have those highs and lows and like doing things like that can help you to get through the lows that's actually the reason why i sort of wrote the article about open source projects because as a as a cto i don't really code much i'm more in a you know like an email client and spreadsheets and meeting rooms but you know i'm a coder at heart so I kind of miss it and I was kind of feeling down a little bit and I was like, I'd like to hack something together, but I don't really have time. So at least I can kind of see what cool stuff other people are doing and it inspires me to do do stuff in my job too. And then I can I can give them that, that wider reach, like so you know, I can write a quick article and give them a bit more exposure so they, they, they can get more benefit from what they were doing too. Yeah, absolutely. I think like for me these days, I, I, I actually don't do that much C sharp programming anymore. Um, I'm more in a, as a cloud programmer now, I guess. I do a lot more Azure and things like that. And um, sometimes a lot of the stuff, what, what I do is, is just about kind of keeping one foot in the camp because I, you know, like, like you, I've, I've got a coding background, but I, and I don't ever want to kind of lose that. So it's kind of always good to, like, even when I appear on this podcast, um, you know, on this podcast, um, or if I go to the meetups and meet a whole bunch of people who are programmers and stuff, it's just good to kind of, yeah, keep in touch with them and, and not lose that skill set. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I have a, um, I'm a CTO of a company that, that doesn't do .NET. And I switched stacks eight years ago to Ruby because I wanted to be in the web space and kind of startup community and build, build startups. And that's, that's the stack that, that was good at the time. But funnily enough, like I kept going with a C sharp digest and kind of kept my foot in the door, as you are saying. And we, we built a startup five years ago. We started building a startup and it got recently, recently acquired by a company that's .NET based and suddenly. The keeping the foot in the door became very valuable because part of my job is integrating that startup uh, based on Ruby into a C Sharp and .NET uh, code base. And having that background is really, really beneficial to my day-to-day right now. So you could say that like I didn't use C Sharp skills for like last eight years, but keeping the foot in the door is very valuable and you never know when you're going to need it. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level you know whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance i've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level so if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. 
And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, I can say that what I've really enjoyed about uh, doing the podcast is meeting some of the you know, the important members in the community, you know, like like John Skeet or Jimmy Bogart or Mark Miller, those kinds of people, and getting to know them and ask questions of them that you're always curious about. You know, you, you read articles that, that, that they've read or use some of their software and things like that, and you're always, you're wondering, you know, how did they come up with this and how did they go about it and and these types of things. When you get a, a chance to meet them and ask those questions, it's it's really kind of satisfying there. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to kind of hear the backstories behind all those kind of people and their work, what they are doing. I think the biggest thing of meeting these people was actually just finding out they're, they're just regular folks. You know, like they're not like superhumans kind of thing with that like ultra intelligence. You know, they're just people who've just you know, they're just really passionate about what they do and they've just done it for, for many, many years and just become really, really good at it. Yeah, it's the it's the consistency of kind of showing up and writing the article or publishing the newsletter or doing that podcast that kind of gives you if you if you do it long enough, you you will get better at it and you will just become become top of the top of your field. So most of the articles that you have for your newsletter are these submitted to you for inclusion or do you go out and find them and then add them in? How do you go about that? Yeah, so I get some submissions. So, so that's that's one one stream of things. I personally curate them by hand, so I don't do any kind of big big algorithm type of thing. But I actually built some sort of a search engine, you know, to scratch my coding itch because I don't code much. That that pulls data from different sources, from you know RSS feeds, different communities, and I try to and that kind of puts them into one place, and then I kind of select the the ones that I find the most interesting in the week. So it's pretty much it's pretty much hand handpicked each each week from like different communities and different different blogs and different different RSS feeds. How many subscribers are you out of sight? I'm I think I'm allowed I'm around uh, twenty five thousand at the moment for C Sharp Digest and the whole sort of my publishing empire is around sixty thousand. Oh wow, that's crazy, nuts. <laughs> okay, so uh, should we talk about these open source projects that you? Uh, recently posted about? Sure, sure. I, I really didn't go too much into the depth uh, of each one of them. I kind of like looked at what they are doing and w- w- what's cool about them. Some of them are useful, you know, in your day to day. Some of them are not so useful, like generating images of uh, modern houses based on a really cool mathematical algorithm might not be that useful in your day to day, but a dev tool kind of Swiss knife type of thing, that's, that's something that you might use more. Okay. So uh, let's see. The first one on the list looks like it's Markov Jr. Yeah, that's that's the one that generates the houses <laughs> with the really cool cool math behind it. And you can use it. So it just generates like a schema for for your house. Is oh, it? N- not not your Did house. You... It's probably more targeted towards like a like a dungeon game sort of graphics type of stuff. It's just just kind of for fun. Maybe used in kind of game development. Oh yeah, it looks oh, like okay. you know, little graphical cool. things so, that you can use in a 3D game or something like that. Some of them actually, these images look a little more like MC Escherish, that type of stuff. So it can get pretty, uh, pretty wild. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's really cool, really cool. And there's a so that's that's I think that's a that's a project built on top of top of a library that Maxim Gunman, hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, kind of built built first and then kind of built a thing that's using that language. It's really really cool. Is it what, what language is this built in? Uh, all of, all of them. All, all of them would be C sharp. Uh, all yeah. of them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just at the repo now. Okay. Yeah, that looks alright. Oh, and then we've got Dev Toys. 
what does that do? Yeah, so the DevToys kind of gives you um, uh, kind of the useful tools that you would use in your day-to-day development. Uh, it's it's by Etienne Badu. Hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, you know, all those kind of encoding, regex, testing, formatting, JSONs in one place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. And encoders, decoders, formatters, generators, some graphics, a colorblindness simulator. I like that one. I'm always frustrated when I go to a website and they use red and green and they're kind of the same tone and I can't tell the difference. It's, uh, that's always handy there. Yeah, is it a is it an actual standalone app yeah. or is it something that you plug yeah, into? Yeah, this would be a standalone app. Mm. I always find it like like in my previous job, especially I, I met a lot of non technical people. I always tell them that like even if you're you're not technical, everyone should learn a, like a little bit of I don't know PowerShell or, or JavaScript because it can always it, it can almost always kind of benefit you a little bit. Like even if you're even if all you're doing is just like typing documents in Word and just going on, you know, web- websites and all that stuff, you know, there's always going to be some little use case that you can have that, that if, you, if you're a little bit technical, it's going to help you enormously. So this might be something I could, you know, maybe forward to them. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's because I'm not I'm not on Windows day to day. I'm using Mac for my, as, as my daily driver. And I have quite a lot of these tools in my terminal. It's a good alternative for the Windows developers to, to have these things too, where the culture is not mm. that uh, terminal heavy. Mm. Well, it's becoming more terminal heavy these days, isn't it? Uh, mm, which is definitely, good. Yeah. definitely. Some great work with the WSL2 and stuff like that. Yeah. Third on the list, Microsoft Power okay. FX. Yeah, that's a bit of a crazy one. So that's 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 a custom language written with C Sharp, and it's it's made for uh, for writing spreadsheet formulas. So it's kind of this experimental thing, just kind of a cool thing to 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 look under the hood and see how how these things are built and how how you can kind of leverage them in yeah. Kind of writing DSLs and stuff like that. I think uh, Microsoft actually uses. It's just the same PowerFX Power I'm thinking of. I think Microsoft does use this pretty extensively in their um, Power Platform. So they've got this thing called like a Canvas app, which is kind of like a low-code solution, I guess, um, where I guess non non-technical people can, in theory, go in and kind of kind of like the Windows forms of of the of the internet kind of thing. And um. I'm fairly sure they use they use a thing called PowerFX to to drive it in the background. So actually, yeah, looking at the, the GitHub repo, yeah, I think this is that this is yeah this is that technology. So yeah, it's very kind of Excel-ish kind of thing that the formulas that they use. So is it is it kind of from the family that's like under the Power BI and stuff like that? Yeah, so Power Platform has got Power BI, Power Automate, and and Power Apps. This, it, it, I mean, they're kind of. They're related, but you can you don't have to use them all together type thing. The the whole thing is there. They're supposed to en- enable kind of citizen developers to be able to be productive. Mm. Yeah, that like. kind of shows so. my ignorance here and the inability to try it out really, because I just kind of looked under the hood and I kind of found it really cool what it can do and kind of look at the code. Mm. But I'm actually not sure about the adoption, so that's great that you can kind of that's it's actually used that widely. That's that's amazing. Pretty, I didn't know it was an open source language though. It's, it's yeah, it sounds like it would be pretty fun to on a on an afternoon to go through it and see how it's actually mm. written and things like that so yeah one of the yeah. questions you asked me i think sean uh, was where i find these things one of the cool things that microsoft went through is the transition to open sourcing stuff and you can kind of see what new features are being built into c sharp from their you know from their github repo and it's one of the things that that's really cool to check too for the new content and to 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 keep people kind of on top of that to see what's kind of coming 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that's good about Microsoft these days is they actually really listen to the to the feedback and all that stuff on their on their repo. So if you have a bug or even if you have like if you raise an issue in, on on GitHub, or they will actually like the, you know the the product people will actually respond to it and things like that. So yeah, I think the the, yeah, the, the big emphasis on that platform I kind of call it you know the office suite of application development kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of along those lines, trying to make it easier <laughs> for everyday people to to build applications. Yeah. Next on the list. Yeah. Right, so what's the fourth one? WPFUI. Yeah, so that's a that's a cool one. That's a it's it's a it's a free toolkit for building WPF applications, and it's really well designed. It's by Leszek Pomian, and I think he built it as a part of a project for so so he built an app for monitoring your computer too, and he built this uh, UI kit to use it in his app. So you know you are building an app, so why not build a complete UI kit that you can share with the community too? It's really really amazing and really well designed. So, what is a UI kit? What does what does that entail? Like, does it just allow you to, you know, is it, is it like a CSS framework type thing? Like, sort like, of like a no, yes, material design? Think of it sort of like a bootstrap for WPF. You don't have to be, uh, you know, you are using ready to made controls that you don't have to be a great designer for. Because, you know, like if I'm speaking for myself, if I was trying to make a nice looking app, it would be a disaster. But if you can kind of put together those components, it will look good. Yeah. Didn't we have that, Sean, didn't we have that guy on the show? I can't remember his name now. He was really, really into uh, WPF. Yeah. It was like Kevin, a few months ago. Kevin Boss. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah, it Kevin? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, drawing a blank on uh, uh, the material design for uh, WPF and XAML and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I shared Kevin's Kevin's library on, on one of the issues of the newsletter because I came across it too. Yeah, Kevin was a coworker of mine. Yeah, so I recently moved to a different company, but yeah, still keep in touch with him. And he lives, uh, I don't know, about ninety miles from me, so not too bad. It's good to see the WTF community is still, you know, relatively active, right? So, and let's see, we got P two P remote desktop. That's interesting. I've recently started working with more of a cloud PC environments, things like that. So, what's P two P remote desktop do for me? Yeah, it's pretty much a team viewer situation but free and built in built in c sharp that doesn't require you to install anything so really a really cool cool project and i think miroslav uh, is writing a whole set of kind of p2p tools which is which is quite cool as well and uh, most of them are open sourced so it's not just the remote desktop but he publishes and builds on top of much larger ecosystem that he built so this allows you to basically like RDP into someone else's computer. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. without any configuration or, or installation, and as an as an open source project. Oh, okay. So what you can, but you'd have to open up ports and stuff like that. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like you need to connect somehow. Yeah. So this okay, doesn't cool. have some sort of intermediary service that facilitates the communication between the two. So the same application no. is going to act as client and server, and you just have to be able to to specify who you want to connect to yeah like you would you would put your destination you would start it and it would it would connect the two machines again kind of speaking from you know like going through the project and looking looking through it and not being able to try it on a mac <laughs> but mm. it looks like there is i always find it amazing that someone put put in that much effort to to build something like this exactly it? exactly it looks like there is some way to set up the udt protocol in order to bypass most of the firewall rules so there would be some server as the the, the go-between 
between the two to set up that P2P connection between the two. So but you know, people are free to look at the code and uh, make use of it if they uh, have some sort of need to, to do that. Mm. And it looks like you had a, uh, one extra project that you threw in as a bonus, Glaze VM. Yeah, it doesn't, like six doesn't sound as great as five. You know, you kind of want to keep it <laughs> on, a, on a number that's kind of, uh, kind of cool and bonus is always great. That's pretty much a tiling manager, sort of. Yeah, I kind of mentioned I'm using Mac, also using Linux every now and then. It's it's that sort of uh, i3 i3 tiling manager that's that's very popular on kind of Unix machines built for Windows, which is really really cool if you are into a lot of keyboard navigation and using lots of Windows that you want to see at the same time. Great for development if you want to see terminal and your editor and kind of use your keyboard. All right, I'm going to have to uh, uh, see how this compares to like Power Toys, you know, the uh, the fancy zones setup that uh, the Power Toys tools and utilities have in it. So looks like uh, from uh, some of the screenshots that they have on the on the website, it could be a little more flexible than what uh, the fancy zones has. So yeah, definitely check it out if you like to set up different layouts of windows um, in each one of your screens. So what's kind of... Uh, Next for you, Jacob, what do, what do you have planned for the future? Are you just going to add more and more mailing lists? You've got, uh, you know, a number of, you've got programming digest, you've got a tech lead digest, you've got a react digest. So are you doing more of that? Or are you just focusing mainly on the company that you're, you're working with now? Yeah, that's a good question. I, one of the things with the newsletters I didn't mention is that I run newsletters that are sort of helpful for me, that are relevant to my, to the things that I'm doing. So I'm not kind of looking to build like a lot of lot of lists and, you know, like I'm not going to start a Rust, a Rust newsletter because I just don't use Rust. So I think for what's next for me is to mostly focus on the quality of those newsletters and every every issue should be better than the other. Finding great content, give the kind of amplify the message for the for the writers and expose cool projects to the, to, to the people. Yeah. And and try to find more people that would be interested in, in in hearing about those things too. I think that's 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 pretty much the goal, what I'm trying to do. And just keep going. Like, you know, show up every week after week. Do you get a lot of feedback from the from the audience of the newsletters? Like is there like a forum that people can kind of talk about the articles or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I do get I, I do get feedback. I because I built the publishing platform for it, I kind of can customize it as, as much as I like. And I, I edit ratings for each issue and ability to put a comment for each issue. And some of them, you know, some of them get good feedback. Some of them, you know, some some people get sort of sort of angry about some some opinion pieces that I might post. But that's that's kind of normal in the internet community. And yeah, 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 I, I do get feedback. I kind of try to quantify it. Yeah, I haven't really experimenting uh, experimented with creating a community, like a more active community, like having a Slack or having a forum or something like that, where the where the members could, could discuss between each other. But I think that also needs a certain type of personality. You know, like managing a community on Slack is very different to managing and a community over email. So really, my goal is to focus on the content and writing and making the newsletters as good as they can be in the future. Yeah, it looks like you have an archive going back to uh, 2015. So there's all sorts of articles that people can go back and, and look through. You know, just because you sign up for the newsletter today doesn't mean you can only see what uh, comes out in the future. So on the website, there is a, an archive list down at the bottom so they can uh, go back. 
go back to 2015 if you feel the need. Yeah, and then before that, I could I could dig up the blog posts and the emails that I was sending before that, before I had my 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 publishing platform. Gotcha. Unfortunately, the the, the nature of the internet is that like probably half of the links will be dead by now. But that's just people move domains, change change the URLs. But mm-hmm. that's that's life on the internet. Yeah, that is it is. So if people have questions and they want to reach out to you, you know, maybe to have one of their articles published, what's the best way to uh, get in touch? I think the best way is go through my website, chadunski.com. I'll probably best to link it into the show notes than spelling out my complicated name. (laughs) And the other thing, obviously, if you'd like to keep up to date with the cool stuff that's happening in .NET, you should sign up to the C Sharp Digest at uh, csharpdigest.net. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely have links to all your digests and everything and all these uh, open source projects that we mentioned that'll be in the uh, show notes of this episode. So check those out. If there are listeners want to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can get me. I am on Twitter. I am at .NET Superhero. With that said, let's go ahead and move on to picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Wade, what's your pick for this week? So my pick for this week is a show that I've been watching called Umbrella Academy. So it's like it's like another it's like, it's another superhero show, but it's about a family of like superheroes who got superpowers. But there's like there's like an element of like time travel in there. So it's really, it's really fun, I think, for the first, I don't know, maybe the first two seasons, although it gets a little bit ridiculous after that. But yeah, it's a show that I've, yeah, I've enjoyed watching. So it's my okay. pick. Yeah, yeah. Yours. My pick this week is uh, actually cloud PCs. You know, one of the projects that I've just recently started working on in the past, past month, the company that I'm consulting for doesn't sound out laptops anymore. They just uh, configure a, a PC for you up in the cloud and you just connect up into there. And so they can have full control and don't have to worry about shipping a, a physical PC, PC and all the security that goes along with that. And then, of course, when the project's done and I don't need access, they can just tear down that cloud PC and they don't have to recycle a laptop or anything like that. So my pick this week is uh, you know cloud PCs. Microsoft has them. Amazon has them. So, and they're actually pretty affordable. I mean, they could be anywhere from, you know, 30 to 60 or $70 a month for a decent PC that's everything is up in the cloud. You just install everything there. And then, of course, if you have need bigger storage, then you can just put that stuff out into your, you know, your OneDrive or something like that or, or offload it locally if you need to. So it just connects up to, into uh, with remote desktop and you're using that. So, piece of cake works well. I think that's certainly the the future of development, isn't it? Just you know, like especially if you need something beefier as well, you know, you could always just up the up the spec a little bit if you're you know running some machine learning tool, or whatever, and then you know you don't need it, you can scale down a bit as well. Yeah, so, you, you got to. I think maybe in the future we'll go back to uh, you know thin clients where there's really no there's no power, yeah. you know on your own local desktop. It's just connectivity up to up to the cloud. But with something like this, you could you could use yeah. a Chrome tablet or uh, you know Android or Apple tablet things like that, and get the full power of a, a PC that's up in the cloud and use it that way. So just take a hook up a Bluetooth uh, keyboard and mouse, and and you're you can. How are you finding the the latency though? Is it is it 
Is it pretty yeah. seamless, uh, do you the think? The one that they configured for me is on the East Coast, and I don't have any problems. But of course, you know, I'm I'm yeah. on fiber, so it's it's I wouldn't I wouldn't be the one to really oh, yes, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you do have a, a slow connection, <laughs> then you might have a problem, you know. If yeah. you're out on the road and you're just using your phone, if it's three G or four G, yeah, that might be some problems. But you know, five G should mm. be able to handle it. Mm. Cool. All right, Jacob, what's your pick? Yeah, I have a I have a couple. If I can do a couple. Oh, absolutely. Um, the my first pick is the billion dollar code, which is a I think it's on Netflix. It's a TV show about sort of this like a Berlin hacking subculture where two guys develop this algorithm then then gets sort of potentially stolen by Google and they built Google Earth on top of it. And it's kind of about the lawsuit and and the origins of that. So that's that's a very cool TV show. Definitely recommending it. And my second pick is listening to Flight of the Concord, which is New Zealand sort of a parody band. And it will kind of give you a flavor of this sort of Wellingtonian specific sense of humor. It's very cool, very fun. So yeah, recommending those two. Are they still going, the Flight of the Concords? Because I remember watching them like, I don't know, like 15 years ago. They had that really, they were really big, big TV show kind of thing. But are they still yeah, playing? They, like, they, um... they recently, did a, uh, recently, maybe a few years ago, did a show in London. And it's it's kind of our favorite to listen to with the kids. So yeah, so every now and then they get together and they get <laughs> to do a show. And especially if you are in Wellington, they do concerts here every now and then because they are local. Mm. No, they're pretty funny. Okay, thanks, Jacob, for uh, coming on the show and spending some time with you and with us and letting us know about your newsletters that you write, some interesting open source projects, things like that. So it was great to have you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Jacob. And we'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in .NET. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.